unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my
And I gotta write this down. Jerry Legan. Yeah. Hold it just one second. Jerry Legan, what? Sister-in-law. Her name is Betty Cosby. Just a second. Sister-in-law. Betty who? Cosby, C-O-S-B-Y. Related to Bill? Hello. Huh? Related to Bill Cosby? No, I don't All right, it's time for us to get started tonight. We are glad that you're here. Uh, we are so thankful that you've chosen to come for our Wednesday night Bible study. If you're visiting with us, we're honored to have you. We want you to come back. Uh, we will have our worship service at 930 on Sunday morning and excellent Bible classes for all ages on Sunday night at 5, and we would love for you to come back and be with us then. Hope you got a bulletin as you came in. It has uh, quite a few of the announcements and uh, updates on the sick. I just want to make a couple of uh, points of emphasis. Uh, Brother uh, Luther Mormon continues, I think, to do well. I saw him today, and uh, he seems like his normal self. He's still got a ways to go, but he's promised not to climb roofs anymore, so we'll see how that holds out. Also, Bobby Brazel is scheduled to have surgery on Friday. It's outpatient. They're going to remove his gallbladder, also, uh, Jerry Legan's sister-in-law, Betty Cosby, uh, had a bone biopsy, bone marrow biopsy today, and uh, we want to remember her in our prayers and uh, pray for the kind of results that will be positive. Hate to announce this, but uh, Rick Warner's granddaughter, Marley uh, Kate Warner, uh, uh, re-broke her arm today, and so she's going to have surgery in the morning again. Hopefully this time, and we're going to pray that things will heal much quicker and better than they did last time. But please remember her in your prayers. I know that she's discouraged because of that. Several activities regarding lads to leaders. Uh, everyone's encouraged to come to the annex at 415 on Sunday afternoon uh, for our lads to leaders puppet presentation. At 5 o'clock, everyone's going to meet in the auditorium for a devotional that will be conducted by our Lads to Leaders men. And after the devotional, the ladies will go to uh, the annex uh, for the girls' presentation, and the men will stay in the auditorium for the remainder for the young men's presentation. And so make your plans to support our kids then. Also, our young ladies tonight are going to be giving their speeches uh, for the ladies' class in the little chapel. Also, uh, the Lads to Leaders debate presentations are going to be presented next Wednesday night. Uh, we'll meet in the auditorium for a devotional. Uh, then uh, the men will remain in the auditorium and the ladies will go to the little chapel. And uh, please make your plans to support this. Also, we want to express our sympathy uh, to Rachel Whitley uh, Daniels in the death of her sister, uh, Theresa Taylor. This is also Janice Taylor's mother-in-law. I hope you'll keep in mind our special day coming up April 29th and 30th, Strengthening the Family. There are advertisements on the uh, table in the foyer. I hope all of you will take advantage of social media and the influence you have there, especially maybe our 
school teachers and others that have a wide influence, uh, be sure and share this and invite people to come. Uh, in conjunction with that, I did want to emphasize uh, tonight that Dr. Sam Jones ha has told me uh, that these lessons are very important for children to hear and will be age appropriate. Uh, he emphasized to me today that these presentations will be rated G and there will be nothing inappropriate at all for children. Uh, he said he's not going to go to in any kind of graphic details, but just make folks simply aware of what's happening. He said six to eight-year-olds right now can do more with a tablet or a computer than a lot of adults. And he said to me, if we don't talk about these things to children when they're six to eight years old, it's going to be too late when they're 12 to 14. So uh, I just wanted to kind of ease your mind with that, and please continue to to do what you can to make this day a success. Our uh, food pantry and clothes closet will be next Thursday. Uh, if you can participate in that, we would love for you to do so. Uh, that's all the announcements that I have. Before we get into our devotional tonight, Brother uh, Jim Estes has an announcement he needs to make. Thank you, Doug. I just wanted to bring you up to speed on some of the things that we're doing in terms of uh, tornado disaster uh, relief efforts. You know, uh, every time there is a large disaster in our area, we have relied a lot on Churches of Christ disaster relief. Many of us have gone to work there in Nashville. We have routinely made contributions to them. Uh, they have sent trailers to both Rolling Fork and Amory already. One of those trailers has about, each of those trailers has about $80,000 worth of supplies. And we, this week also sent another $5,000 check to help purchase supplies at Church of Christ Disaster Relief. They can, they have such contracts that usually $1 that we would spend gets as much as $5 when they buy it. And so we multiply our money by sending it there. I've talked to Mike Yelbertson at Rolling Fork. He's one of their members. Uh, they are getting help from the Bypass Congregation out of Vicksburg and some members from Indianola and others and helping them with their distribution there. We did send them a check for $2,000 to help offset expenses that they're incurring uh, in that particular effort. But in terms of us sending people there, he said that they were getting help from people that are closer than us. We are going to send people to Amory. We've got a work crew that's going down to help prepare meals, sort clothes, do that kind of thing. Actually, we've got two groups. The first group will leave tomorrow morning at 8.30 and will work through the lunch period. And I'm anticipating bringing the bus back and having it here by about 3 o'clock. Janita and I were down there this afternoon and, and they're doing a big work. This, this, today for lunch they serve between 800 and 900 plates. We have they requested that we help them with tomorrow night's meal, and we have contracted with Ricky Prather to cater 
500 meals being made tomorrow night. We're going to send a second crew down to help with meal service. As soon as I get back with the bus, we'll load up the second crew and head back to Amory. Uh, I would anticipate that we'll bring back uh, the, that bus and should be back here by 9 p.m. If you want to be on either the first crew or the second crew, there's a sign-up sheet in the back, and we'd encourage you to, uh, to volunteer if you would like. Uh, the latest Bible class, when I briefed them on this uh, yesterday, uh, they decided they wanted to participate, and they bought all the water for the meal for tomorrow night that we're uh, contracting with Ricky to serve. They also purchased some pet food. Amory had said, we have plenty of people food, but as people are coming in, they're asking about their pets. So ladies' Bible class stepped up and helped with that. Um, I did, some of you have asked about clothes from the clothes closet. I talked to both people from Rolling Fork and Amory, and neither wants any more clothes. They've got all the clothes that they need. Uh, when we were in Amory, they, they did indicate that some people are, are showing up to help and their position. So if you can't go in these two groups that we're talking about and you can go another day and drive down there, if you show up at the church building, they're so well organized they can put you to work. Uh, if you're going down there, some of the roads are blocked. Uh, if you go, I would recommend that you go on Highway 278. Stay on Highway 278 until you get to McDonald's. Turn left on Boulevard Drive, and the church building is on Boulevard Drive. If you try like I did this afternoon and come in on number six, it may take you 30 minutes to get to the church building. Um, this, this is a pretty major effort. If you would like to contribute additionally to what we have done, if you just give your check to one of the elders, and we'll be glad to incorporate that. Good evening. <clears throat> First of all, mark the invitation song in your song books. 947 in my book, Jesus is Calling. That'll be the invitation song. <clears throat> song before the lesson will be number 882, No Tears in Heaven, 882. No Yeah. 
In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6, we find the admonition to seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Our Lord is one that is full of compassion. He is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. But the time will come when there will be no more opportunities to obey the Lord or to make our lives right. That's why we need to think about our lives. We need to seek the Lord while he is there, while we can, while we have opportunity. And therefore, tonight, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've thought about that decision, but you've been putting it off. Maybe tonight you need to come and obey the gospel. Or maybe tonight there are things that stand between you and God that need to be corrected. And right now may be the opportunity that you need to come and make your life right. And so tonight, if you're subject to the invitation, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing. Turn your books, number 957. We'll sing this song while the people are going to the classes. Let's pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this day and all the many wonderful blessings You've blessed us with. And Father, we thank Thee for the congregation we have at Boonville that we be able to help so many people. And Father, be with each member and their families and watch over all of us and keep us safe. And Father, we thank thee for thy son Jesus who came to this earth and died on the cross so that we could have forgiveness of our sins. And Father, be with each one of us and forgive us of our sins and help us to be able to resist the devil and his temptations. And Father, be with our elders and just bless them and grant them the wisdom that they need to oversee the congregation. Be with our deacons and our Sunday school teachers and each one of them and just help them to uh, better spread the word of our, the gospel. And Father, be with all those who are sick and afflicted and just be with my sister-in-law that let them find out what's wrong with help her and find out what's wrong with her. Be with all those people in Amory and other places that people have got hurt and lost loved ones, just be with them, bless them, and comfort them as on the way you can. And Father, watch over our nation and just keep us safe and bless each one of our members and forgive us of our sins. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. tonight that are sick, uh, that need our prayers, and you know those, Father, you know their needs, and uh, we pray that not only will we try to encourage those, but that our private prayers will uh, be going up to you for those individuals who are in need today. We think about those who are grieving over the loss of loved ones. We, we pray for those individuals that you would give them strength and consolation. Father, continue to bless this church. We're thankful for uh, the wonderful shining light this church is in this community. Uh, we pray again for all the storm victims who are in the process of recovering from that awful tragedy. Uh, we're thankful that perhaps we can play a small part in 
helping to alleviate some of those needs and bless our efforts and bless our trip tomorrow and in the future. Most of all, we're thankful for your son, Jesus, who gave his life on the cross for our sins, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I've got a PowerPoint tonight. I don't know if we got it or not, but uh, I'll ask that y'all run it back there. And uh, if it goes bad, it just goes bad. Don't worry about it. Uh, you know, sometimes the book of Romans uh, can be somewhat uh, difficult to understand. It's kind of like a four-year-old boy that was eating an apple in the back seat of the car. And he asked, Daddy, you know, why is my apple turning brown? Because, his dad said, after you ate the skin off, the meat of that apple came into contact with the air which caused it to oxidize, thus changing the molecular structure and turning it into a different color. And there was long silence, and the son asked softly, Dad, are you talking to me? <laughs> but uh, anyhow, it can be somewhat difficult, but I, I think we can approach it in a way that hopefully is going to be very, very helpful. If you look at the title, and I like this, Just If I Had Never Sinned, Justified. It's a play on words. It's just if I had never sinned. Isn't that a wonderful blessing that we have in Christ? It's just if we never had sinned, and we can be assured of our future. When I think about Romans chapter 8, I believe it's one of the most encouraging chapters in all the Bible. And I believe the very first verse of the book of Romans is one of the most encouraging verses in all the Bible. And I want you to notice three words as we begin tonight that are key, I believe, to this chapter. And you might want to write these down or whatever. First of all, this chapter begins with a note of assurance. Note that word, assurance. The text says there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Secondly, though, it cradles thoughts that I believe foster endurance. You have assurance, then you have endurance. We're familiar with that passage in Romans 8. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And it allows us to be more than conquerors through all the trials that we face in Romans chapter 8, 28, and 37. But thirdly, it concludes with a note of insurance. And so you have assurance, you have endurance, and then you have insurance. What's that? Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, verse 39. Isn't that wonderful? You can't buy any kind of insurance, Joe, can you, that, that can beat that? You know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so you've got assurance, you've got endurance, and then you've got insurance. And so, in short, the Christian can say, I know that God is with me, and when I die, I will be with God. Because you see, I'm justified, never sinned. It's justified, had never sinned. And uh, that's what we want to emphasize, and probably that's the gist of the book, and 
we might could stop right there. Now, I want to suggest, and I, I welcome your comments on this as well as we go through the lesson. We're going to look at an overview of this text, and it, it really is divided into two different parts. First of all, we are assured of eternal life in the hereafter. That's verses 1 through 17. We are assured of life in the hereafter. Secondly, we are assured of a wonderful life in the here and the now, verses 18 through 39. So I want to break this chapter up into those two different aspects for your consideration tonight. First of all, we are assured of eternal life in the hereafter. I'm going to read some of these verses as we go through it, but I don't want to do it all at once. I'd rather do it kind of as we go. I want you to note the beginning here of Romans chapter 8. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ, who do not walk after the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now that word therefore, when it says therefore, there is now no condemnation. That word therefore connects this verse to the sanctified life that is discussed in the previous chapters. We know the previous chapters to talked about how that one is born again, that when we emulate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we become a new creation, and we are to live that kind of life. And, and when we are born again, when we obey the gospel, there is no condemnation. So there's a place. There's a place where there's no condemnation. Where is it? In Christ, all right? That's a wonderful, comforting verse. And also, I want you to note the word now. The word now refers to life on this side of eternity. The words no condemnation point to the, to the knowledge of one's eternal destiny. Those who are in Christ Jesus are members of the New Testament church. You know, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2, for by one spirit have we all been baptized into one body and to walk according to the spirit rather than walking according to the flesh is to follow simply the Holy Spirit's teachings in the New Testament. That just simply means that members of the church can know with confidence that they're saved. If they continue to live a sanctified life according to the teachings of the New Testament. Now, contextually here in this particular passage, Paul gives two reasons for this confidence. There's two reasons why we can have confidence in our salvation. First of all, Christians can be assured of their salvation because the law of the spirit of life has freed them from their past sins and the spiritual death, that is the condemnation, that's caused by those sins. If you look at verses 2 through 4, it says, if you want to turn there to Romans chapter 8, it says, For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death, 
For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, in that he revealed the gospel, is referred to here as his law. It's the Holy Spirit's law. And, uh, and since this is the word that saves us, you know, Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And since this is the word that saves us, his law sets one free from sin when it's obeyed. And uh, y'all dealt with that in Romans chapter 6, 3 through 7. And such is possible only because of the sinless life and the redemptive sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what makes all this true. You know, Peter made it very clear in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 18 that we've not been redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish. Now, another point here, one reason that we can have confidence and be assured of their salvation is that as long as they live, literally that means as long as they continually live according to the Spirit, then they can be assured of their salvation. We'll read some verses in just a minute. And so these folks and us today were saved from our past sins by our obedience to the gospel, by obeying the law. And we remain in this saved condition by continuing to obey this law. That's very important. You know, this is what it means to be spiritually minded as you look here at verses 6 through 8. The mind of the Holy Spirit, as expressed in His revealed Word, the New Testament, governs the way that we as Christians think. It governs the way that we as Christians live. This is what it means to be in the Spirit. If you look at verse 9, as Christians, uh, we think the way the Spirit thinks. And the Christian is always within the sphere of the Spirit's influence as he has revealed in his Word. I think this is what it means in the context of Romans chapter 8 for the Spirit to be literally to continue to dwell in the Christian. That is, we continue to live a life pleasing to Him. Also note here, this is what it means in the context of Romans chapter 8 for the Holy Spirit to continually dwell in the Christian. You see, the Holy Spirit revealed thoughts and He continues to fill the Christian's heart. He continues to control the Christian's conduct by what he has revealed in his word. And again, this is what it means to be led by the Spirit. If you look at verses 12 through 14, the revealed directives of his word serve as the Christian's guide. And also note, this is what it means for the Spirit to bear witness with our spirit. Look at verses 15 through 17, if you will. Look at verse 15 through 17. The Bible says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery 
to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. How can I know that I'm saved? The text says his spirit bears witness with my spirit. What is his spirit? Well, it's what is revealed in his word. In other words, the Holy Spirit has told us what to do to be saved. My spirit says I've complied with that, right? I've done what the spirit has told me to do in order to be saved. I've been immersed in water. I have obeyed the gospel. That's what his spirit tells me to do. My spirit says I've done that. So his spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. Now, I want you to think for just a moment about some of the fruit of a spirit-filled, spirit-directed life. Note some of the results here from following the Spirit's teachings. First of all, there's a life of joy and hope in contrast to the spiritual death that comes from a life of sin, chapter 8 and verse 6. You think about that, a life of joy, a life of hope. The opposite is a spiritual death. And then think about the fact that another result is a peace with God in contrast to being an enemy of God. I don't want to be an enemy of God, do I? You know, the Bible says, you adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. But you see, because of the fruit of a spirit-filled, spirit-directed life, I enjoy peace with God. I can live my life every single day knowing that if I die, I know what's going to happen. If this is the last night I live upon this earth and, you know, I pass into eternity, I have confidence in my salvation. Also, another result from following the Spirit's teachings is that it's a death of sinful passions. The body is dead as we put to death the deeds of the body in contrast to the death that comes from the sinful passions of this life. And then another result from a spirit-filled life is a membership within the spiritual family of God. You think about the blessings that we enjoy being in God's spiritual family. Think about the blessings that are ours. Where would you be without the church today? Think about your life right now. If you didn't have the church, what would you be and what would you do? I can't imagine that myself. I can't imagine what it would be like not to be a part of the church. What a blessing that is. And then another result is the hope of inheriting the glories of heaven as children of God and joint heirs with Christ. And so there's wonderful blessings that come as a result of that. Now, let's look at the second part of this book real quickly. 
The second part says we are assured of a wonderful life, not only in the hereafter, we can be assured of a wonderful life in the here and the now. Now, I want you to notice, if you will, some of the words of despair that frequent the last half of the book, uh, the chapter of Romans chapter 8. For example, you have sufferings in verse 18. You find the word futility in verse 20. There is corruption in verse 21. We read about groans or groanings in verse 22 and 23. The Bible talks about pains in verse 22. Uh, we read about tribulation. We read about distress and persecution in verse 35. And yet even God's spiritual creation the saved are going to suffer. Even though we are the spiritual creation of God, there's going to be sufferings while we're here upon this earth. Look at verses 18 through 22, if you will, a very familiar passage. Paul says here, For I consider, I reckon, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared which the glory to the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing, longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth until now. Now think about that just for a minute. Even though we are saved, we're still going to have to suffer. We can look at many examples in the Bible of folks that suffered even though they were saved. Uh, the Bible talks about Stephen. You know, he was stoned in Acts chapter 8. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 22 through 28 goes into detail about all the sufferings that were his. You know, three times I was beaten. Twice I was beaten with rods. He talked about how he'd been in shipwrecks and perils among brethren and perils among robbers and thieves and so forth. And night and a day have I spent in the deep in journeyings often and perils often. And then he went on to say, besides all these things that are without, there comes upon me daily the burden, the care of all the churches. So just because we are saved and just because we follow the Spirit doesn't immune us from the fact that we may suffer from time to time. But despite the traumas of life that come, and if we only knew the burdens that some in this building were having to bear right now, it would be something to behold. You know, I don't think we're really aware sometimes of some of the difficulties and burdens that our brethren are bearing. But in spite of all that, according to Paul, the Christian can persevere and the Christian can remain in a saved condition for two reasons. What are the two reasons that he can remain in a saved condition? First of all, the Christian can work through the problems and the difficulties of life and still enjoy a wonderful life because of hope. Hope is something that's so very powerful. 
And with Jesus' second coming, he knows that he's going to be given the glory of the home in heaven. Verse 18 says that. We know that. In spite of all the tribulations, we know that we will experience the glories of heaven. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions, right? If it weren't so, I would have told you, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And if I come and prepare a place for you, I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. We also know that he, as a Christian, we will be recognized as God's child. We're going to receive the adoptions of, son, of sons. Isn't it, isn't it an honor to be called a child of God? And, of course, Galatians 3 and verse 27 says, you know, that happens as a result of our being baptized into Christ. Also, as Christians, we are liberated from the corruption of this mortal body. You know, the older we get, the more we realize how frail life is. I see that every morning when I look in the mirror. You know, can't do what we did just a few years ago, can we? Slowly as we go through life, we experience health issues. We go through uh, maybe physical ailments. We think about those that we know that uh, suffer, and we suffer with them. We lose loved ones. And even though all this happens, we know that one day we're going to be liberated from the corruption of this mortal body. We're going to receive an incorruptible body. And so we're motivated to persevere and to live in the Spirit in a safe condition because of hope. Nobody can take that hope away from you. That's why the Bible says we're saved by hope. Hope is desire with expectation, with anticipation. I could hope for a lot of things, can't I? You know, kids may hope for a lot of things for Christmas. That don't mean they're going to get them. You know, I might hope that that Publishers Clearinghouse uh, prize patrol is going to pull in my front yard on April the 30th, right? I, I've already told Jody to cancel all our plans that night just in case they show up, you know, with that $15 million they promised, you know. Uh, I may hope for that, but I really don't expect it, you know. I'll still go on probably with my plans. But with true Christian hope, there's, there's desire, there's expectation it's going to happen, and then there's anticipation. You know, there may be some things I hope for, you know, surgery or whatever, may not be looking forward to it, right? I may not desire it, but I hope it goes well. But true Christian hope is desire with expectation and anticipation. Remember the Heinz commercial ketchup? When the ketchup bottle was upside down and the ketchup was slowly fixing to drop on the plate below and the song anticipation you know we anticipate that time secondly though the christian can work through the problems of life and enjoy a wonderful life because he has help we're not in this ourselves we're not in this on our own we have help god the holy spirit helps when we do not know how to pray as we all look at verse 26 and 27 likewise the spirit helps us 
in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows that knows what's in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so the Holy Spirit helps us when we can't even verbally express our feelings. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Also, God the Father helps by providentially making sure that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. As a member of His glorified, justified, called out people known as the New Testament church, we know that all things work together for good. That verse doesn't say all things are good. Please know that because they're not. But that verse does say that everything good and bad in our lives intertwine together. All of that intertwined together will ultimately work out for our good. How's that going to happen? Don't have any idea. Can't see in the crystal ball how this tragedy can turn out for good in any way. I have to put our faith, I have to put my trust in God that it will. It says, we know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And so God helps me providentially. Also, God the Son helps in that he sits on the right hand of God. He makes intercession, verse 34 says, on our behalf. And it's wonderful to know that we have a Savior that died for us, that was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, that intercedes on our behalf. And so accordingly, Christians can victoriously rise above their circumstances. And as the text says in verse 34 through 39, we can be more than conquerors as we continue to live in a saved condition. Now, time's getting away from us. I, I want to try to cover this whole chapter, or I want to. I want to talk about, though, as we look at the text, as faithful Christians, can we know that we're saved? That's a good question, isn't it? Can I know that I'm saved? And whenever somebody's asked, are you going to heaven, too oftentimes we hear an insecure, you know, well, I hope so. I hope so. Can we be confident in our salvation? I believe we can. I certainly don't believe there's any place for arrogance in it. Any hope that I have for salvation doesn't come because of me or my efforts. It comes because of Jesus Christ. I personally, I don't like to sing that song. I know my name is written there. You know, my name is like, yeah, I got it. You know, I got this myself. I know, I know my name is written there. I just like I don't, I don't like to sing the song, uh, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below and a little silver and a little gold. You know, it's, it's, we're so poor we can barely make it by, but right, we're, we're rich, aren't we? You know, we have more than a little cottage and more than a little silver and a little gold, don't we? That's just a little sidebar there. But, you know, we're not arrogant about our salvation, but we can have confidence in it, not in us and what we've done, but in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Look again at the verse with which our chapter begins. It says, there is now 
no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to ask you a question. If we can know that we're not lost, that we're not condemned, does it not follow that we can also know that we're saved? If I can know that I'm not condemned, then I think I can know that I'm saved. Now, also according to the biblical concept of hope, if we hope for heaven, you know, we expect to receive it. Paul knew he was going to heaven, didn't he? I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight, finished the course, kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day, but not to me only, but to all those that love his appearing. Paul knew that he was saved. John knew in Revelation chapter 2 and 1 John 5 and verse 13, we can know. Now I want you to consider just briefly for a minute what, uh, what Revelation, Romans chapter 8 says about the work of the Holy Spirit and our spirit of confidence. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Think about the Holy Spirit and how it relates to our confidence today. First of all, there is the instruction from the Holy Spirit in verse 2. His law, the teachings of the New Testament, frees us from our past sins. We purify our souls in obeying the truth. We're made free by obeying the truth. Therefore, when we do what he commands for the remission of sins, believe, repent, be baptized, we can know that we are among the saved. Remember, his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Secondly, there is cohabitation with the Holy Spirit. We dwell within the influence of the Spirit's New Testament teachings. And through these same teachings, He indwells us. Constant, so consequently, we continually keep our lives in check and this allows us to know that we remain among the saved by following the teachings of the New Testament. Third, there's the cooperation of the Holy Spirit. As we are led, literally it means continually led by His New Testament teachings, our obedience combines with His instruction to prove that we are among the saved. And yes, we are God's faithful children with the hope of heaven. Now, as Christians, we can handle the emergencies of life. I want you to revisit, if you will, revisit some of these words of pain in Romans chapter 8. For example, sufferings. Literally, that means calamities. There's going to be some times when we have to work through misfortunes in life. There's going to be accidents that may happen. There may be financial reverses. We may lose our job. There may be serious problems that come up in our family. Maybe there's the death of someone very close to us. Sufferings will happen. The Bible uses the word futility. Literally, that means frailty. Those who have lived long enough are well acquainted with the infirmities that come with age. Maybe there's a broken bone. Maybe there is something that causes our muscles not to function as they should. We lose sensory perception, our sight, our hearing. We become frail 
as we get older. Corruption literally means ruin or destruction. Young and old have too frequently been ravaged by disease, and we make announcements quite often about the young among us that maybe have cancer or other problems. Cardiovascular, pulmonary disorders, neuro, 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 I can't even say it, neurological uh, malfunctions. The word groan literally means moan together with. There are times that our worlds fall apart because someone else's has. We hurt with them. You know, we are aware of what maybe a, a possible affair in a family can do to the family. Maybe there is divorce. Maybe a miscarriage that deeply hurts the ones who are impacted. And so we groan together with those kinds of things. The word tribulation, distress, persecution literally means cramped and pressured by the mistreatment of others. Sometimes when we do the best we can, maybe it's an overbearing superior or an underachieving subordinate or a insensitive spouse, whatever the case may be, we may be persecuted because of that. But thankfully, we can look forward to an eternity without these difficult times, right? God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there'll be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. There'll be no more pain for the former things are passed away. But quickly, what are we to do right now? What are we to do right now? First of all, we can talk to God about our problems. And even if we do not know exactly what to say or how to pour out our hearts in prayer to God, the Bible says in verse 26, the Holy Spirit helps us. Secondly, as we, uh, how can we handle things? We need to trust in God's promise to make everything work together for good. God loves us. He takes care of us, and we need to trust Him. Thirdly, we can rely on a Savior who understands the difficulties of life. He knows what we experience. He became flesh and dwelt among men, and He speaks to the Father on our behalf. The Spirit also is for us. The Father's for us. The Son is for us. And verses 38 and 39 says, Nothing will separate us from their love. And so we among all people are truly blessed. Now as faithful Christians, each member of the Godhead loves us. Each member of the Godhead is involved in our lives. First of all, God the Spirit loves us. He's the one that helps us when we're so burdened that we don't know how to express those feelings. The word translated there, helps, literally uh, translates the words that uh, put together suggests that the Holy Spirit, you know, stands on the opposite side of our prayers, helping carry them to God. Secondly, God the Father loves us. He's the one that makes certain all things work together for good. Also, we need to realize that Jesus Christ, the Son, loves us. Not only he died, did he die for our sins, but he's now at the right hand of God. Now, I'm not going to go into more detail. I don't have time. I'm not going to be able to accomplish this. I wanted to look at some descriptions of the Holy Spirit in verse 8. For example, you know, he's called the Spirit. He's divine. He's God the Spirit. He is the Spirit of life in that he reveals his message, the word of life. 
Uh, he makes us alive from spiritual death. He is the Spirit of God, verse 9, in that he's a member of the Godhead. He knows the deep things of God. He is the Spirit of Christ in that he is the one through whom Christ revealed the gospel. And I wish we had time tonight to go into detail about the Calvinist doctrine that's very prominent, prominent today of unconditional particular election. And we know that this can be refuted very easily. It's not something that is taught. God doesn't elect individuals. God elects groups. And uh, we decide whether or not that we want to be a part of that particular group. Now, as I close, I, I want to close with this point tonight as we're dismissed. You know, faced uh, with the danger of a delicate surgery, an elderly Christian encouraged her doctor. It's okay, son, she said. If I die, I'll be with God. And if I live, God's going to be with me. Now, that's Romans chapter 8 in a nutshell right there. If I die, I'll be with God. If I live, God's going to be with me. That just simply means as a Christian, it's just if I had never sinned. That's what it means to be justified. Not because of me, but because of my faith and trust and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that, I can look forward to a home with God, being assured that God will take care of me until that occasion when we ultimately meet the Lord. So I haven't covered it like I wanted to tonight. There's some things I had to leave out, but I did get through it, so we definitely can do that. Any questions or comments? We've got 30 seconds or so. Anybody want to make tonight? You're talking about for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God? So what are you asking specifically? Well, I think it's referring to the fact that uh, one day, uh, because of the sufferings of this present time and the glory that's going to happen as a result, uh, you know, we're waiting for that time to come. We're longing for that time to come. Yes, it'll be the adopted. Uh, you know, it says in the next verse, the creation was subject to futility. Uh, all because that's just the nature of our, our life here upon this earth. So we await patiently for that time. All right, everybody's coming in. Thank you all very much for your attention. I appreciate it.